Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to drag each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is the sports episode, and boy, we have a lot of hockey, and then really not much else. It's kind of a weird sports episode. To be honest, that's probably the best option for me, the best way this could go. Because, like, the reality is with basketball, we could have talked about a lot of, like, win streaks and stuff, but that was, like, the news. Like, right, right. So. That's not really news. Also, all streaks end. Well, unless, like, you're setting, like, an NBA record amount of wins in a row, like, it's really just not a record. So, like, what why are we talking that? about? Yeah. What's the most number of wins in a row in I'm not, the NBA? I'm not sure, but I know the Suns had 18 this year, so there's nice. a chance that that was probably close, I would imagine, if it wasn't. So, it was a good amount. Starting right away with the NHL, we have player health, and it looks like a lot. Got like five good amounts of injuries. It's a good chunk. But we'll start off with your Pittsburgh Penguins and Jake Getzel. Uh, he's going to be out week to week with an upper body injury. He currently is the team leading scorer with 27 points and 24 appearances. And lately he's been hot. Like yes, he has. 12 goals in 12 games. Like that's crazy. We'll definitely be missing that out of the lineup. But the Penguins always have this mentality of next man up. So... I think we'll be okay, especially since always, whether someone's healthy or not, our goals are scored by a variety of players on a variety of lines. Like, it's never just, like, the first line's only one scoring or whatever. I was kind of hoping you were going to say a flurry of players because he's also in the newsletter, but we'll talk about that after player health. We also have Tyler Toffoli, who is going to be out about eight weeks for the Montreal Canadiens with an upper body injury. He was injured in the game against the Nashville Predators on Saturday, December 4th. His coach came out and said in a statement on Monday, December 6th, that, quote, it could be quite long, which is not a great way to go about talking about that, I guess. But he ended up having hand surgery this week, and so the timeline for his return came out after the surgery, saying it's about eight weeks. We'll see. The thing is, though, like sports medicine, like it's unbelievable. Like, because if you or I had this injury, we wouldn't have enough money to be able to recover in eight to ten weeks. Like, right, it's just right. not possible. So, like, I'm always amazed how quick some of these guys come back, but I'm like, I know it's because they're getting the best care. Yeah. So. We also had Mitch Marner from the Toronto Maple Leafs, who is going to be out three to four weeks due to a shoulder injury. He was actually injured in practice when he took a hit from his teammate Jake Muzzin on Friday, December 3rd. Yeah, this is kind of a crappy way to be injured in the middle of a practice, like, especially when you're one of the top scoring players for the team. So it's just like, ah, it's not the way you want to take out your guy. But you also need to practice how you're doing your hits, so you can't just not hit someone when you're practicing. Yeah, but you usually don't want to go full tilt and injure somebody either. So like, it's like Maybe they were mad at each other. And so it's think... like, I'm just going to take it out during practice. I thought you were going to say because Marner said something about Muzzin's mom and Muzzin was like, no, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't talk about a teammate's mom, but who knows? Yeah. This one's a one that hurts a little bit because this guy has been a pretty crucial part of our like first line team. Jujar Kyra was taken off the ice on a stretcher after the Chicago Blackhawks forward was hit by Rangers defenseman Jacob Truba in the second period of the at the United Center on Tuesday, December seventh. Uh, he was released from the hospital the following morning. Team physician Michael Terry said, despite the significant injury, his prognosis is excellent and we expect a full recovery. At this point, it's too early to put a timeline on a return to play. He's set to undergo more tests this week. More to come on this injury. 
it was a really tough hit. There were really no camera angles of it, like, zoomed in. So, like, right. you couldn't really see where he made contact. But it definitely looked shoulder to head from the angle I saw. So, it's just like, man, that's... A, an illegal hit. B, Truba got away with no punishment because, again, it was such a zoomed out shot that they had and that was the only angle they had, so. Also, there is a way for someone to get hit in the head and it not be an illegal hit because of the way it happens. Not necessarily the hit itself, but, like, what led up to the hit and everything around that. So, I haven't seen the video for this one, but I'm going to assume that it was... Either a clean hit or just such a minor thing that it didn't. It was like borderline, more or less. Right. Yeah, he had his head down, which makes him a defensive, defenseless player, which is, right. I think, the riskier part of it, more so than anything. But, like, he just went pancake flat the second he got hit, and his body just smacked his head against the ice. So, like, the combination of the hit where it was roughly in the upper body to head area and then the head against the ice, just never a good combination when it comes to being the receiving end of that type of a hit. So. Yeah. But it's good to hear that he's okay. He looked unconscious at first in the video when he was on the ice. And then as he was being carted off, I guess he lifted his hand about like a couple inches off the stretcher to be like, thanks guys. Like I'm okay. And it's like, dude, you're not okay. You got rocked. Well, and there's such a mentality for the players who are like, you don't lay on the ice unless you have no other option. Like, you don't get carted off unless you have absolutely no other options. Right. And it's, like, a respect for the sport and a respect for the ice you're playing on and that whole thing. And completely opposite, in my mind, to the NBA and soccer and everything like that. So I feel like if he's getting carted off, you know how bad it is. Yeah. Like, there's no horrible. question. Yeah. And that, that's arguably always the case. Like, legitimately, how many times do we hear about guys getting injured and being like, put me back in? And they're like, uh, for your safety? No, that's not happening. Right, right. So. I feel like hockey players are really tough. So if he had to be carted off, it had to have been pretty bad. Right. Jonathan Bernier was placed on IR on Friday, December 10th due to a hip injury. He was 4-4-1. With a 3.06 goals against average and a .902 save percentage in 10 games. He last played on December 3rd in the game against the Winnipeg Jets. So I don't know exactly what the hip injury is, but he's going to be out for a while, I'm assuming. Yeah. And then no, like there was a trade that happened. The Blackhawks were involved with it, but it wasn't really like... It was a minor trade, wasn't it? Yeah, it was two guys from the AHL traded for each other. Yeah. I think it was more of like a, hey, we kind of need this guy, and hey, we kind of need this guy, so let's just swap situation between the Blackhawks and the Maple Leafs. So we'll see if it pays out in a year or two when they probably come up to the NHL. Like, they're both really young players, so it's not something that's just mind-blowing. But we did have the Forbes list come out for overall value of the organization. Obviously, some of these percentage changes in, like, one year are pretty intense. So I'm going to base it off of the five-year change because I feel like that actually shows, like, how much the organization's grown in value. Okay. So in first place, we had the Rangers. They were valued at $2 billion of the first NHL team to ever reach that value, which is crazy. It kind of makes sense. Like, the Rangers are a pretty synonymously known team around the entire world. So, But their five-year change in value is 60% increase. Wow. So that's intense. The reason I'm throwing out the one year is because obviously everybody's team value went down last year thanks to COVID. So Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say you can't compare numbers of this year to numbers last year just because it was such chaos. And during the pandemic, there were so many things that 
We're losing happen money. that will never happen again yeah. or won't happen until there's another pandemic. You know, if we ever get out of the first one. If you had to take a stab who the number two team was, who would you guess? Well, you talked a little bit about the numbers for both of our teams last night when you were writing your notes. And so I kind of want to say it's one of our teams. But honestly, I really hope it's not. Because I think your team had such a crap show this past year, year and a half, that I really don't think you should be in the number two spot. Well, the number two spot, if you had to take a stab, who would it be? Like your best guess. Florida Panthers. (laughs) <laughs> just because you said that i know that you that's not your serious guess but it's the toronto maple leafs at 1.8 billion dollars their five-year changes has been a 64 percent increase in the last five years so even more than the rangers yeah. right they're gaining on them uh number three if you had to take a stab at it who do you think it would be the florida panthers stop be serious <laughs> It could be the Tampa Bay Lightning because they won two cups in that five-year period. It's the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. you got to start thinking popularity, I feel like. Because well, I mean, if you're arguing popularity, obviously Canadian teams are going to like run this list because it's such a popular sport in Canada and it's not in the U.S. Right. So they're valued at $1.6 billion, and their five-year change was 43%. So they're not quite increasing at the same value as, say, like the Maple Leafs or the Rangers. Number four is the team that you said you didn't want to be in the top five, the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm -hmm. Currently valued at $1.4 billion with a five-year change of 51%. It's also weird because you've won zero cups in the past five years. So I would think if you win a cup, you're more likely to get more sales of your gear and things like that. But that was, like, right on the back end of the runs, though, realistically, because it was 2015. So, like, you're two years beyond at that point. So, like, still people are riding the high, I feel like, at that as well. So, I don't know. Maybe. Number five, if you had to take a pick, what, who would that be? Well, I know the pens were under a billion, but we were pretty close. So, we're still above a billion dollars. Okay. With a B, if that gives you a hint. The Buffalo Sabres. No. The Bos- you said it starts with a B. Yeah, the Boston Bruins. <laughs> they literally wear a B on their jersey. Well, but the Sabres are doing better than they were. Yeah, but they but still have no money. That's true. They're in the middle of nowhere. So they're at $1.3 billion for the Bruins, and they have a five-year change of 63%. And if you had to take a stab, do you think your team was valued higher or lower than the Flyers? I mean, in my heart, they're valued higher. But I also know the world does not work the way my heart does. So maybe the Flyers are higher. Yeah, the Flyers are at $1.2 billion in sixth place. And we got to scroll down a little bit to find your Penguins. Uh, you didn't need to say that. That's rude. I did, though. It's, well, firstly, the text is gigantic on this screen, just to clarify. So, like, I have to scroll a lot to get even down Because you're becoming an old man and you can't read small No, fonts. because Forbes caters to old men and they can't read the fonts. But the Pittsburgh Penguins were valued at $900 million. But you guys had a 58% five-year change. So, like, you guys are on the up and up as well. Like, right. pretty high up there. The team behind you was kind of a shocker. It's the Kraken. But it's because they just put, like, $500 million into existence to be a team so i feel like they shouldn't be on the list just because like you're new who are you yeah who dis where do you think our local dallas stars landed i don't know i feel like they've been getting popular since we moved here in 2018 but like they're still you know a hockey team in texas so i feel like they're not going to be super high on the list so 26th place is what i'm thinking well, thank goodness you're very wrong. It's 16th. Because, I was only boy, off by 10. Yeah, that's a lot. 
They've increased in value 44% in that period of time, so a pretty good increase. That would make sense, given what we've seen in the Dallas area since we've moved here. If you had to take a stab as to which team had the lowest value... The Arizona Coyotes. Easiest one on the list. Easiest. Valued at $400 million. Like, if you won that Powerball that was dang near a billion dollars, you could own the Phoenix Coyotes right now. But then you would have to own the Phoenix Coyotes. That's a fact. You would hopefully pay the taxes, unlike whoever the hell owns them now. But what's crazy about it is, in five years, their increase in value was 67%. Well, if you remember, they almost completely disappeared off of the NHL, just almost completely went away when they were having to, you know, give away almost all their tickets. Because no one wanted to go to an Arizona Coyotes game. Like, they've put in a lot of work, that's for sure. But at the same time, like... You're doing something wrong here. And part of that, I think, is not paying the city their effing taxes. I think it has a lot to do with that. And they they bring in kind of everybody's leftover players to make a team. So it's like you don't really have an exciting name there. Well, you don't have anyone that's worth seeing almost. Like we lost Kessel to Arizona and I haven't heard his name in the longest time as doing something good or stand out since going there. Yeah. He won two cups with us, and and now he's just background noise in the Arizona Coyotes. It's insane. If you watch a Coyotes game, that's about the only name you hear anymore. But in fairness, they don't really have anybody else. So it's like you're the star amongst not you're stars. You're a big fish in a little pond. Right. Um, but if you had to take a stab at who had the highest five-year growth... And this is a team that's just been lately over the last four or five years been very, very competitive. And prior to that, we're kind of a Buffalo and Phoenix style team. They're in the Eastern Conference. I figured they were in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they're the in Canes. the Atlantic. Yeah, absolutely. The Canes seem like an easy answer there. 139% growth in five years. That's amazing. Yeah. Whatever Talk they're about doing, investment. Arizona needs to be doing it. 100%. Because, like, it's not like the Canes are in a very high market for, like, fans. They're not. They're in North Carolina. And you don't have a ton of people in the South who know what hockey is or like to watch hockey. So Arizona sort of has a similar market in that there's not a lot of hockey fans in the area. And you need to do whatever the Canes have been doing to really up pretty much everything in your effing business. Yeah. No disagreement. It's clearly working there, so... But we'll move on to other news now because that was, boy, a lot of Forbes. But, like, it was fun to try to guess where teams landed, I feel like. Yeah. I'll let you talk about this one even though he was my baby first. Just remember, he was mine first. Do you like the way I wrote the note, like the first sentence? Just just read it out loud or in your head, however you want to read it. Do you want me to read it, dude? I, I kind of do, yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury of the Chicago Blackhawks oh, feels so good. won his 500th career game by defeating the Montreal Canadiens 2-0 on Thursday, December 9th at Bell Center in Montreal. Yeah, that whole of the Chicago Blackhawks, it just rolls off the tongue right sometimes. <laughs> if only I was Medusa. Just completely turn you into stone with my stare right now. <laughs> He became the third goalie in history to reach this milestone, the first two being Martin Brodeur with 691 and Patrick Roy with 551. Yep. It's definitely an elite class to be a part of, for sure. If he gets another couple of decent seasons, he can easily make it to second place. Absolutely, with ease. 
And then Lightning head coach John Cooper became the fastest head coach to 400 career wins. Again, one you're not shocked about because you were just talking about how the Lightning should be scooting up through the ranks in that Forbes list. He completed the feat in only 659 games. Like The next nearest person was over 50 games away from him. So right, it's just right. like the dude was on our terror when it comes to wins. So, But that makes sense. Like We had like three or four years they were either the second place team for the president's cup or or the president's trophy or like first place. So they're winning a lot of games every year. So, and then continuing the news with kind of lightning related news, because it is Ben Bishop after all, uh, Ben Bishop announced that he's retiring after 11 seasons as an NHL goalie. He last played on March 10th, 2020 in October of 2020. He underwent surgery to repair a torn meniscus. He had one rehab game, this past week for the Texas Stars and gave up eight goals on 34 shots. Yikes. Yeah. He basically at that point realized that his recovery wasn't recovering properly, trying to still be an athletic goalie in the NHL. So like probably the right time to retire. Were they the Texas Stars or the Dallas Stars? Who did he, he was play that game with? playing with the AHL team, the okay. Texas Stars. Then that's really bad. Yeah. He finishes his career, though, with 222 wins, 33 shutouts, and a goal against average of 232. Also ending his career with a .921 save percentage. So, like, pretty good career stats. Right. Not terrible. It's just hard to see him go because, like, it felt like when they signed him two years ago, like, he was playing really well still. Like, it was him and Hudobin, and it was a nightmare to have to play the Stars because it's just like, do you want to pick the really good goalie to play against or the really good goalie to play against? And you just were like, let's roll the dice. Let's see what we get. (laughs) Like, that's just the way it was, so... It's, it's hard to see him go. Obviously, Brayden Holpe has been having a hell of a year. Ottinger's been having a great year. And it seems like the Bishop-Hudobin run is just over. Right, right. And we had some players behaving badly this past week or so. The Toronto Maple Leafs forward Wayne Simmons has been fined $2,250 for cross-checking Winnipeg Jets forward Jansen Harkins during the game on Sunday, December 5th. And another Toronto Maple Leafs forward has been punished. Jason Spezza has been suspended for six games without pay for kneeing Winnipeg Jets defenseman Neil Pionk during the game in Winnipeg on Sunday, December 5th. He will forfeit $22,500. So did you see the video of that knee? Because it wasn't to the other player's knee. It was to his head. Yeah. (laughs) Like, albeit Pionk was losing his balance and falling down... But at the same time, like, Spezza had all the time in the world to get away from him. Right, right. And then was just like, cool, this knee is going to clobber you in the face. Like, there are some things that happen that it's like, oh, the momentum, there was no way to stop. You couldn't prevent what was going to happen. And just, those are the ones that get punished less. Yeah. But this one is like, there was room. There was time, there was space, and you just let it happen. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't think he intentionally was like, I'm going to jack this dude up, but it was just like... But the thing is, you had had time and space to not do that. Right. Which is why he got punished. Correct. But speaking of Neil Pionk, the Winnipeg Jets defenseman has been suspended for two games without pay for kneeing Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman Rasmus Sandin during the game on Sunday, December 5th. And he will forfeit $58,750, which is very much a lot of money. Yeah, it's just crazy that they both were involved in being plays, Spezza and Pionk. In the same game. Yeah. It's a lot. And, like, that looked like a very dirty game from what I've seen discussed about it. 
Yeah, it was it was pretty foul. There were a lot of hits that were borderline penalties that didn't get called. And when referees allow that kind of stuff to happen, it's like, what do you expect? When people start getting hit left and right in ways that shouldn't be allowed and then you let it slide, of course, people are going to get more angry. Well, and like when refs aren't calling the games as, I don't know, strictly as I would expect, that's when danger gets put into this game. This is when it gets dangerous for all the other players because they're like, well, I didn't get called for this, so I can just do this. And it just keeps going all game long. Right. It's dangerous. Without a doubt. Golden Knights goalie Robin Leonard has declined the invitation to play for Sweden in the 2022 Beijing Olympics. His reasonings were based off of health recommendations as well. His psychiatrist was cited for that information, so... Yeah, we're not exactly sure what the reasons are, but he cited health reasons and said that his psychiatrist thought it would be a bad idea. Well, he's battled mental health issues before, and Mm -hmm. as well, you know, he's very outspoken when it comes to things going on in the world, like politically and like really anything that he feels like he can help a situation with. So there's a lot of people rumoring it's just all about the stuff that's going on in China actively with like the Uyghurs and stuff like that, so... It's kind of the same thing. People are saying it could be a little bit of both. And I'm like, well, the guy does have mental health issues, so maybe we just write it off as he needed the time. Right. And what I've seen come out recently is that players are going to be the ones who decide whether they want to play for their national teams. And so, like, we don't even need that information. He can just say no, and that can be that. We don't need to get into it. In all reality, yes, that's 100% correct. He could just be like, no, I just don't feel like it. I'd rather focus on my actual well-paying job. Makes plenty of sense to me. This is a fun one. Alan Vigneault was fired as the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers on Monday, December 6th. He was in his third season with the team. He ended up getting replaced by assistant Mike Yo. Also leaving the team was assistant Michael Therian. The Flyers, who were 8-10-4 and four at the time, had lost eight straight games, including a 7-1 loss to the Lightning the day before. Yeah, not pretty. No. And what's bad about it is, like, honestly, like, Carter Hart's not a bad goalie, but his defense in front of him is making him look so bad this right, year. Right, right. You can only do so much standing on your head. Well, when you're averaging 32 shots on goal a night as a goalie, like, it's just, it's not a good look. Right. We also had more firings this past week. Travis Green and Jim Benning were fired by the Vancouver Canucks on Sunday, December 5th. Green, who was in his fifth season, was replaced by Bruce Boudreaux. Benning, who was in his eighth season, was replaced by Stan Smile. Smile? Smile? Also fired were assistant GM John Weisbrod and assistant coach Nolan Baumgartner. I feel like I said that wrong. Baumgartner? Sure. Scott Walker was named an assistant coach for the team. I'm not sure about any other assistants who got hired. That was the last name that they gave me in the article. So what's crazy about this is Bruce Boudreaux and Mike Yo were both previous Minnesota Wild coaches. Okay. So I guess the old Minnesota Wild coaches are getting some jobs. Yeah. Which we'll see how that works out. In the past, it's not been great. A name that is familiar to me. And most hockey fans, let's be honest. Jim Rutherford has been hired by the Vancouver Canucks as president of hockey operations on Thursday, December 9th. He will also be the interim GM while he leads the search for someone else to fill the role. He resigned as GM of the Pens on January 27th of this year, but didn't rule out working in the NHL again. 
Yeah, he kind of wanted to step away and be closer to family. It makes sense. He's Canadian. That that would be where he would end up at some point with a Canadian-based team. So, like, Well, when all these firings were starting to happen in Canada, I was like, he's going to find a home there. Like, yeah. I always expected that to happen. So, And then speaking of ex-Penguins, Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Ian Cole. This is bad. Why did you have to start it that way? <laughs> Has been fined five thousand dollars for kneeing Winnipeg Jets forward Mike uh, Mike Jesus Mark Shifley during the game in Winnipeg on Tuesday, December seventh. Poor Mike or Mark. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and the last bit of NHL news is that the. 2022 NHL All-Star Fan Vote is now open on the NHL website and the NHL app. This will allow fans the opportunity to determine the four captains for the 2022 NHL All-Star Weekend. The weekend will once again consist of of a three-game tournament played in a three-on-three format featuring four teams, which ends up being one for each NHL division. Fans can cast votes online for one player from each division. And the voting will conclude on 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday, January 8th. So go vote for Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane? Like, no, what other central would you No, I hate Patrick pick? Kane. Why would you pick well, him? Well, like, he's the most popular in the central, though. Like, you gotta think, who else would you pick? Because you don't pick Caprice off because he's I too young. I wouldn't pick a rapist. But... Well. I'm sorry, an alleged rapist. <laughs> I feel like... There's this weird sort of thing with the All-Star Weekend because, like, you kind of want to give them the weekend as a break, like your favorite players. At the same time, you want it to be fun and you want it to include players you like. Right. So I would say pick a player that you like from each division, but not one that you think could use the time off, basically. So then don't pick Crosby because he needs time off because he's old and he needs the time to heal from all the things. He's no it's longer, weird calling him old. He's no longer Sid the Kid. That's in the past. I don't think he's old. Latang's gone before, and I've enjoyed watching him there. He's gone a couple times, and he usually takes his son with him, which is really cute. But not as a captain. No. And I've seen most recently Jari went, which was cute. Yeah. He, he was such an innocent little child at the All-Star Weekend. It was his like, first full season in the NHL. It was second season technically, but he only played part of the season before, so that right. makes sense. I don't want to see Ovechkin there, and I don't want to see Kane there. That's all I care about. I hate to break it to you. They probably will both be there. Then I hope they get slaughtered. Yeah. Moving on to the NFL and starting off in some player health, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones will miss multiple weeks with a neck injury. It seems like he needs to undergo more diagnostic tests to determine what's wrong and the correct methods of fixing it. Right, right. We're just going to have to wait and see what imaging comes up with eventually. Correct. Jets wide receiver Corey Davis is set to undergo season-ending core muscle surgery, and his expected recovery time is 8 to 10 weeks at this point. And it didn't stop there for the Jets, sadly. Or wide receivers. For that matter, Jets rookie wide receiver Elijah Moore was placed on IR this week with a quadricep injury. He will miss at least the next three games while on injured reserve. Washington quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick is set for season-ending arthroscopic surgery on his hip. The article didn't really go into it for this one, so I'm not sure about timeline for return and how many months or weeks he'll be out and whether he'll make it into the 
playoffs if they make it into the playoffs. Yeah, it's more of an if they make it into the playoffs right now. The Cowboys are pretty dominant in that division, but Washington's been playing well lately, and it's sad that we're not going to get to continue to see the Fitz magic on the field. And Washington had another injury. Their tight end, Logan Thomas, has been placed on IR again this past week. He suffered a knee injury in Washington during the game against the Las Vegas Rams. No, so close, but right letter to start with. They used to be in Oakland. They're the rivals Raiders. of the Chargers. Okay, there we okay. go. On Sunday, December 5th. <laughs> I wrote down the name of the city, but not the name of the team, probably because I just had Washington and nothing else. So yeah. I was like, wait a second. Well, in fairness, Washington is the Washington football team still. Right, right. I wonder if that's ever going to end or if they're just like, you know what, that's not so bad. I feel like there's no uniformity when it comes across the league if one team doesn't have a mascot. It's true. And then Seahawks safety Jamal Adams is set to undergo season-ending shoulder surgery. He suffered a torn labrum and additional shoulder... Gosh, I love this retainer in my mouth. And additional shoulder damage during the game on Sunday, December 5th. This lisp that comes with wearing this retainer is driving me absolutely maddening. But you all get get to enjoy the lovely sounds coming from my mouth. Yeah, the article never specified what the additional shoulder damage was, but I'm assuming cartilage problems, things like that. Yeah, more than likely. And then this news came the day after Fleury had his 500th career win, and boy, it was like a horrible roller coaster ride of information. I was had tears of joy in my eyes the night before, and the next morning I had tears of, why did he die so young? Right. And if you're not up in the sports world, obviously former NFL wide receiver Demarius Thomas has died at the age of 33. The preliminary information is that Thomas's death stems from a medical issue. Uh, Thomas was a standout with the Broncos over a 10-year NFL career. This dude legit haunted me watching Chargers games like as a kid. So like it, the dude just handled his business against everybody. What's crazy about it is obviously being 33 years old, he was turning 34 this year, so he's only two years older than us. Right, right. Which is crazy. And then on top of that, like, it sounds like over the last year and a half or so, he's been experiencing seizure problems, and a lot of people are kind of tying it to that health condition, considering he, where he was found when he died. So it's kind of the only way what would have happened happened. I guess they found him in his shower, uh, unconscious, dead, obviously, in that instance, and they're more than likely connecting it to him just having a seizure inside the shower and probably hitting his head hard enough on something to kill himself. Right. Which is rough. It's like, of all the places I think most people don't want to die, it's naked in the shower. Right. Like, I think that's, that's the top really of rough. most people's lists. And to go that young due to, like, a seizure health issue, it's, it's just tough. And, like, people at first wanted to kind of blame the seizure stuff on concussions, a lot of people were coming out and saying, and I'm like, he really didn't go into concussion protocol all that much in his career. He was there twice. And so it's like, I don't know that you could blame that. It could just be his health condition, and we should realistically just stop guessing and right. just respect his family at this point. Like, Well, maybe. and there's a lot that people don't know about the brain. Like, obviously, we know way more than we have before, but there's still so much about the brain that we don't know or understand. And so... I think this is just, you have to accept it is what it is. It's very sad for someone to die when they're only 33 years old. But just accept that it was a health condition and don't try to figure out, like, what caused it. Right. Either way, it was really uh, 
sobering moment for sure. Definitely makes you realize that like, no matter what age, there's always a chance, you know, and he was getting help for the condition. So it's not like he was ignoring it or anything. Right. It still just happens. So. I will say though that like, it's not on the person with the condition to try to explain to other people how they're taking care of themselves and their condition. Ever. So it, it doesn't matter whether he was getting medical help for it or not. His condition caused him to have something happen, and he died. Right. That pretty much wraps up the NFL news this week. We're moving on to the MLB, and boy, it was a light load there too this year, this week. Which is the good news to move away from the bad news. We have very little to talk about in Major League Baseball because of the lockout that is still going on. They still haven't come to any conclusions about that or figured out a new CBA. Yeah, most of it's like, what free agents are left that can't be signed? And it's like, that's not news because nothing can happen. But in the past week, the National Baseball Hall of Fame class of 2022 was elected. Gil Hodges, Jim Cat, Minnie Minoso, Tony Oliva, Bud Fowler, and Buck O'Neill will be honored at the July 24th, 2022 induction ceremony in Cooperstown, New York. And it's exciting to see Minnie Minoso get in there. He's been obviously on the ballot for a few years. And like as an ex-White Sox player, you always want to see at least one on the ballot, let alone to be inducted. So that's exciting. And then Andrew Romine has announced his retirement from baseball this week. He was a fifth-round pick in 2007 and played 11 years in the majors for the Angels, Tigers, Mariners, Rangers, and Cubs. This past season, Andrew appeared in 26 games with the Cubs, so he was clearly just kind of a backup situational guy for the league this season. And that's the end of baseball news, because, boy, there was not much going on. Good old lockouts. And still, that was talking too much about baseball. Let's move forward and go to the NBA, where it's bad news all the way down, practically. It's been a rough week in COVID. Like, it affected my team, which we're going to talk about, as it turns out. There's a few more players that you missed on the list from the Bulls, but we'll start with the Charlotte Hornets because they're the ones getting beat up the most. Four Charlotte Hornets players, including last year's Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball, have been placed in COVID protocols on Saturday, December 4th. Ball, Terry Rosier, Mason Plumley, and Jalen McDaniels will be sidelined for at least 10 days or until they have received two negative tests in a 24-hour period as all four players are actively vaccinated so they don't have to mandatorily stay out the 10 days no matter what. They just have to have the two negative tests. The next team to be affected by it was the Chicago Bulls. Um, We actively have five players on the protocol. You have the biggest named one. Guard DeMar DeRozan has been placed in COVID protocols on Monday, December 6th. We signed three players this week to 10-day contracts just so that we could have enough players to play the game. So it's been fun in Chicago right now. That's rough. Yeah. And on December 9th, which was Thursday this past week, the Indiana Pacers and the Toronto Raptors both canceled their practices, citing an abundance of caution with COVID health and safety protocols. Team officials were not expected to provide any additional details, so I don't know if they had positives or what was going on exactly that caused them to not practice, but they said they needed to do it for health and safety reasons. We're going to respect that. And earlier this week, the NBA sent a memo reminding teams that any unvaccinated players would not be allowed to travel to Toronto starting on January 15th because of new Canadian laws mandating all visitors entering the country be fully vaccinated. 
The report also said teams must provide the league office with a list of unvaccinated players by Friday, December 10th. So this past week, they had to come up with those names. Obviously, they can add people to the list that are vaccinated by the time that date rolls around of January 15th. But, like, I'm not shocked to see this happen. The only sport that is retaining the ability to travel across the border without being fully vaccinated is the NHL, which, go figure, brings probably the most money sports-wise into the country of Canada. So, Well, with the new strains and everything that's going on, I feel like we're going to go back to tightening everything up, and it's going to be something that players are going to have to make the choice. Do you want to play a game and earn your money, or do you want to stand on your hill to not be vaccinated? Right. Jeremy Grant is out indefinitely due to tearing a ligament in his right thumb. That's the start off of our injury talk. I just couldn't fathom tearing a ligament in my thumb. Like, I feel like that would be excruciating. Didn't we discuss that last week? Someone else also did yeah, that to their it thumb? it just seems like it's a thing that's happening, and that sucks. Yeah. Who does he play for? I have no idea, because I clearly didn't write that down. So give me one second. So he plays for the Detroit Pistons, I guess, in that instance, so... That's probably why I didn't really recognize originally where he was from, because it's the Pistons. It's like another Detroit team where you're just kind of like, oh, they're here. Right, right. Bam Adebayo has been reevaluated for his right thumb injury. He will be out four to six weeks following his successful surgery this past week. That will mean anywhere from 20 to 25 games that will be missed. That's rough, because he's a pretty important piece of that team. Yeah. Uh, Pacers' TJ McConnell will be out between 10 to 12 weeks following wrist surgery. The surgery was done to repair torn ligaments in his right wrist. Or repair them. You said repair. Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay. That's a decent amount of games, right? 10 to 12 weeks, yeah. That's like almost 50 games? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, roughly. If four to six weeks is 20 to 25, that makes sense. Math. Yeah. It can happen. Mm -hmm. Portland Trailblazers guard CJ McCollum has been diagnosed with a collapsed right lung and will be sidelined indefinitely. He was injured in the final quarter of the game against the Boston Celtics on Saturday, December 4th. His condition was revealed by a CT scan after the team originally diagnosed it as a rib contusion. Like, I make fun of normally when they're getting all these scans for, like, weird bruises and stuff, but, like, thank God. Good thing they do it, huh? Like, geez. Could you imagine... Just being like, oh, yeah, it's just a bruise, and then find out that you have a collapsed lung. Like, that's insane. Yeah. No big deal. I'm surprised he wasn't like, I need to go to the emergency room right now. Yeah. And then Atlanta Hawks forward Solomon Hill is expected to miss the remainder of the season with a hamstring injury. The Hawks said on Wednesday, December 8th, that Hill needs surgery to repair a torn right hamstring tendon. He was injured in the game on Sunday, December 5th. And then in other NBA news that's not related to injury or COVID, Steve Kerr has been announced as the next head coach for Team USA. Kerr is actively the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. Nice. Do we like him? Yeah, he's a pretty good guy. He's very big on like community outreach and forcing the players to be a part of those types of programs. So I think that's a good thing to do as a professional athlete and you know to be helping young players come up and understand the importance of it. I think that's great. Yeah. In people behaving badly this week, we have Memphis Grizzlies guard forward Dylan Brooks, who has been fined $25,000 for aggressively confronting a game official and failing to leave the court in a timely manner upon his ejection. 
I just don't know what to say about that. It just seems like it's just a really stupid thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's not words to put there. It's just like, dude, if you got a bad call, get over it. Like, Well, and like, they're here to help you play your game. They're not here to just accept whatever abuse you want to throw upon them. Like, especially during a game, you're more likely to hear fans yelling abuse at the zebras than people who are playing the sport. Like, I feel like they take enough. And they don't need a professional athlete to act like that. Right. But if you want to talk about especially dumb, Wizards forward Kyle Kuzman, or Kuzma has been fined $15,000 for directing an obscene gesture towards a fan, of all people. The incident took place in the fourth quarter of the Wizards game against the Detroit Pistons on December 8th at Little Caesars Arena. They help pay your salary. The fans buy tickets, the fans buy jerseys, they help get the money that gets you paid, and you're going to act like that? I don't know what the fan did, like maybe the fan deserved it, but it's just really unprofessional. Yeah, it definitely seems like fans are getting... Rowdy? Yeah, more so than they used to be. You know, like LeBron just a week ago had two fans removed from the game, so it's just like, it seems to be a regular thing. here's the thing, you have bad fans removed from the stadium. Like, that's the protocol you go through. Yeah. You don't act out whatever you're feeling. Yeah. The fan in question with LeBron told him that he hopes his kid gets into a car wreck and dies. So it's like, kind that's of bad. don't deserve to be in the stadium when you say things like that. And LeBron was like, I just was shocked that he said it. And then right. B, like, I started shouting back at him and then realized I have the power to have this man removed. <laughs> yeah. And so he had them removed from the game. And it's just like, I couldn't fathom ever being that like well in angry here's the thing like i feel like this behavior has become more commonplace since covid started and people have started getting out more and actually going to things and it's like you're still a human being and the people you're yelling abuse at are still human beings and this is completely unnecessary yeah. i get you're mad about the game or whatever but guess what there's going to be another game in the future There's going to be another season in the future. And like, this is not something that you need to get that worked up about. And like, I've been devastated at losses. I've been angry at my teams for playing sloppy or not playing as well as I feel they should have. But like, I would absolutely never shout that at a player. Right. Agreed. And like a lot of the time I go, you know, those are my boys. Those are my babies. Like, I would never want that for them. But like, maybe I'm the weird hockey fan or whatever that feels that way you're not and the last bit of news for the nba is that hall of famer bill russell's memorabilia has netted more than five million dollars at auction the jersey he wore for his final game sold for more than 1.1 million dollars overall the auction featured 429 lots accumulated by russell over the course of his career and it sounds like most of that money came from the jersey. Well, obviously, like he he's literally an established name. His numbers retired in Boston. Yeah. It's like there's a reason it sold for 1.1 million. I'm honestly shocked it went for as little as that to be yeah. completely honest. Well, and like champion rings were auctioned off and stuff like that, so it had a lot of different yeah. items in that, the auction. That that would be like, you know, in 20 or 30 years, like a Lemieux or a Yager jersey, you know, like the final jersey they wore, like it's just, it's going to carry more value just naturally because of who it is. I feel like the first jersey should sell for more than the last. 
Is the, that wrong? The thing is, though, like, who has the first jersey? Well, I mean, he probably has it somewhere. Hopefully. Yeah. But, like, most players, I feel like, don't save that first jersey and be like, I'm going to be a star one day. Well, like, no. It's just not something But it's your expect. first professional jersey. I feel like you would save that. I don't know. I, I would. You would. But, like, the average athlete who's going to make the NHL, maybe not. Hmm. And I actually have a decent amount of MLS news this week, so I'm going to try to go through it quickly because you don't consider it a real sport. I'm glad you didn't call it soccer news because it's not. Well, we also talk about other soccer things, but what I'm talking about is the MLS. Yes. So real quick, I'll go over the conference finals that happened while we were away. Portland beat Salt Lake 2-0 to in the conference finals. <laughs> New York City FC ended up beating Philadelphia 2-1. to You'll love to see it. So it ended up being a 2021 MLS Cup championship against New York City FC versus Portland. They were 1-1 at the end and had to go to penalty kicks. So New York City FC won on penalty kicks. This is their first MLS Cup title. And the funny bit of news that I did not mention to you face-to-face because I wanted to see what your reaction would be. Is because it went to penalty kicks? Kicks. Be nice. (laughs) Ahead of this past season, the coach for New York City, Ronnie Delia, promised to strip to his underwear if the team won the MLS Cup in 2021. And so, after New York City FC won the MLS Cup on Saturday on penalty kicks... Over the Portland Timbers, Delia followed through during celebrations at Providence Park. There is video of this if you'd like to see a coach in his underwear. I'm just shocked that they didn't cut away from the feed for this because it does seem slightly inappropriate to be putting on television. It's a little risque, I would say. I wouldn't do it, but yeah. Also, I feel like the this time of year, you'd be a little cold. And then a couple... Signings have happened during the past week. The Chicago Fire have signed defender Miguel Navarro to a new three-year contract through 2024 with a club option for 2025. And center back Jacob Glesney has signed a contract extension with the Philadelphia Union through the 24 season. It's probably Jacob, the way that was spelled. You, you say it however you want because it's the MLS and I have no idea who he is. But if he got a contract extension, he must be okay at what he does. Right, right. And the union did make it to the conference finals, so it's not like they're a bad team, you know. Either way, let's get to real soccer news here, ladies and gentlemen. We do have the Champions League this week. Had some eliminations that were a little shocking and some teams winning that were kind of shocking. Uh, so you had Bayern Munich defeating Barcelona 3-0, condemning Barcelona to the Europa League. This is the first time they've been eliminated from the group stage in the last 18 years. Oh, wow. So it's... What a straight to end. Not one you want to be a part of, unless you're the winning team, which my team was, so it's a good feeling. Especially after all the shade that the Barcelona coach talked. It's, it's a good feeling to wallop a team like that when it's deserved. Did the coach promise to uh, go down to his underwear if they won that game? No. That's too bad. Uh, But making it to the round of 16 automatically nets a team 15 million euros. Wow. So uh, Barcelona missed out on a pretty good purse there. To gain that much funds in the Europa League, Barcelona will have to win the title of the Europa League. I mean, it could happen. Uh, The way they're playing, probably not. So Manchester United also won their group stage with a 1-1 draw against young boys of the Swiss Super League. 
Are they called young boys? That's their team, young boys. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Weird. I, I don't know the history of it. I know they're an old team, so I don't know that I'll join you in saying weird. I'm sure there's a real reason for that to be called that, but... I'm sure there is. It still sounds weird. And then Borussia Dortmund finished their final game in style, but sadly had already been eliminated last week during their previous game by losing to Sporting CP. However, they did beat Besiktas 5-0. Both Holland and Royce had two goals apiece. They will also be in the Europa League. So going for that $15 purse at the end for the championship. I guess that other team wasn't playing their Besiktas. No, they were dead last place, didn't have a single win, and were outscored on average 4-0 to zero during the group stage. So. More like the worst Akitas. Yes. Yeah. You're welcome. You can use that. I don't know that I will. <laughs> but on that note, uh, that pretty much wraps up the world of soccer. So And all the sports news, thankfully. As well. I like it like this. A lot of hockey and not a lot of everything else. We'll just keep that going because that's what I love. Sounds good, I guess, for now. <laughs> We'll have a book episode coming out on Thursday where I get to try to stump Steven in our game slash tag section. I don't think the word is try. Will stump Steven is probably what it'll be. It'll probably be a lot of me going, yeah, I'm going to just guess random books I've read and hope that I'm, I'm right. The good thing is you haven't read a ton, so there's not a lot of ones that will be incorrect in my... Yes, but my memory is awful, so we'll see how it goes, I guess. Before that, make sure you're checking out our social media, trying to stay up to that with all the holiday stuff going on. All of those will be linked in the show notes. And make sure you rate, review, and subscribe like all of the podcasters tell you to do. And we will see you guys on Thursday. Bye, guys. Bye.